Oh, if you were here with us last week, Brandon talked about um, the I am statement, I am the bread of life. And he talked about how Christ is the substance that brings fulfillment. And we're going to continue along. He was in John chapter 6, I think. And so, yeah, you can tell I memorized it. Um, he was in John chapter 6, and we're going to scoot on over to John chapter 8. But to give you some context of what's happening, so he's fed the 5,000. He walked across the water. He met them on the other side, and they were like, hey, give us some more food. And he was like, you are just following me around as a meal plan. And then we see him kicking off the festival of shelters uh, where his brothers, I don't, I don't know if the right word, they, they feel a little sarcastic in the beginning of chapter 7, where they're like, hey, if you're so great at doing all this stuff, why don't you come with us to Jerusalem for the festival of shelters and do all this stuff so people can see you and you can be known? And he's like, my time's not yet come. And they're like, sure, whatever. And they go on ahead. He comes later, quietly, and then there's, then there's, all through chapter 7, he's intermittently teaching through the week in the temple, and every time he teaches, there's some objection, there's some disagreement, there's a pharisaical remark, but there's a lot of division about who he is, and there's a lot of chatter about it, and that all culminates right before he says this next I am statement with a woman caught in adultery where she's brought out before Jesus and he says what he says and says, I don't, that, does anyone condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And then we find him in the temple. At the end of that week, the culmination of the festival of shelters, which reminds the festival of shelters was a permanent holiday that reminded the Israelites of their wandering in the wilderness, having to live in tents in a 40-year journey that probably should have taken a few weeks. So at the end of that, in John chapter 8, I'll read you this, this, uh, this section so you'll have context. He's in the temple again, and he's teaching. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Jesus told them, These claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me based on human standards, but I do not judge anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me, your own law says that if two people agree on something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. Where is your Father? they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my Father is. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in a section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this statement that you're the light of the world. And I pray now that you would fill me and my mouth with what you would like our hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen.
So Jesus out here doing Jesus things, just stirring it up. Be like, hey, I'm the light of the world. And that takes some people off. But what I want you to see here about the I am the light of the world statement are just the simple facts. Jesus is the light. Okay. That seems pretty straightforward. But that means all things absent from his presence are dark. And that we exist in darkness without following Jesus. So we're going to walk through what that means and the implications of what we exist in by default. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. What does that imply? Darkness is the default. The world is dark. There is no light in it. And though we may know that in our brain, because we're church people, and we read the Bible, and it says it right there, so we should believe it. What he's calling us to is a, is a deeper understanding of the true darkness of the world. There's no fulfillment in the world absent Christ. And we may find joy in worldly things, but ultimately, without Jesus, all of that is meaningless and leads to death. I'm just here to encourage you. (laughs) This study in this took me over to Ecclesiastes, and if you've read it, it's a real uplifting book. I'm joking. It's it's a book written by Solomon where he's discovered that even though he has everything, he has nothing. Access to any want. And he walks through all the things and declares at the end of each one, it's all meaningless. If you read it in different translations, it's all vanity. That word there I've heard translates to grasping at a wisp, trying to to pull like smoke out of the air. Spin in your tires. This will give you a section of this in Ecclesiastes 1, verses 14 through 15. I observed everything going on under the sun, and really it's all meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. It's the theme of the overall book. Now, he is existing in a pre-cross time, a pre-Jesus time. So we wouldn't, as believers, just state this as the facts of our lives. But the world without Jesus is as the world, or excuse me, is as Solomon describes. You may find temporary pleasure in its offerings. You may find temporary purpose. And what, it, and what you feel like you should go after. But consistently, there's no, this all ends. Our lives end. And everything that we've done passes away. Everything that we acquire and achieve passes away. Look with me in Romans chapter 3. 
verses 10 through 18. As the scripture says, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. I'm, it's, it, this is just the truth of what the world has to offer absent Christ. And I'm not trying to be down in the dumps. <laughs> but I'm trying to paint you a picture of what Scripture says darkness looks like. Because Jesus says, I am the light. Follow me and my, my path leads to life. If you don't choose that, if you go, well, I'll do, I, got, I see you over there, Jesus, doing your thing, and that's cool. I've got some things I want to take care of. You're doing it blind. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I am going to steal a Kleenex. Here we go. Got that runny nose. What we choose to place our focus on and what we choose to go after in our life is either Jesus or it's not. And if it's not, it's actually darkness. Because only only true healthy thing to fix your eye on is Christ. Now, I'm not trying to come at you with some kind of like religious God, like bumper, uh, what do you call them, the bumpers in a bowling alley, saying, man, keep this checklist or else. But what I'm saying is, if the purpose you're choosing to say is what my life is based on. If it doesn't come from Jesus, it is not, if it's not the work that you've been given by God, which is what Solomon also outlines in Ecclesiastes, if it's not the work you've been given by the Lord, it's going to just end in death. Psalm says there's a way that seems right to a man, but it's, that path leads to death. And Jesus is doing us a favor. He's not coming in. He says it. He's not coming in to condemn us and say, look what you're doing, stupid. Look at how you're messing up. See where this is going. He says it in John 3, 16, the verse after. I've not come into the world to condemn the world, but the world through me might be saved. Here he says the same thing. You judge me by your standards, but I don't judge anybody. I'm here to get rid of sin and bring people to the light. If someone was there to save you, wouldn't you want them to stand up and wave their arm around or something? If you've got kids, you'll understand when your kids are running around, they, they aren't always self-aware. That's a, that's a generous statement. Or maybe you have a close friend that keeps making the same mistake over and over again. 
you have the privilege as a parent to see above their circumstance. As a close friend, you have an outside view of this decision-making process. And you're able to appreciate all of the dangers, or maybe you're able to appreciate where that path ends. If it's your toddler trying to climb an unsecured shelf on the wall, you're like, hmm, that's going to, I can see very easily this going bad. So you tell them to stop. And they might get mad at you. But you can see far enough out. This path leads in severe injury. Discontinue efforts. If you're that close friend, you hopefully are close enough to offer wise counsel. Whether or not it's heated, you're able to say, look, I see this, see this cycle of decision-making. Maybe you should consider these things. When you're in darkness, oftentimes you don't know you're in darkness, lest someone who is the light say, hey, you're in darkness, look over here. The world is dark by default. The second implication is that you are lost without Jesus. And not just the salvation lost, because that's very true, because Jesus is the only way to reconciliation. But when we choose to create our own path and be our own compass, we wander. The Festival of Shelters was about reminding the Israelites of their experience in the wilderness. You spent 40 years, I'm making this number up, but it's like, you spent 40 years traveling 20 miles. Like, it was a shorter distance. It should not have taken 40 years. But a whole generation had to die so that old ways, old patterns, old sin wouldn't just crop up again. Jesus is the light. And if we're walking without him or we know where he is and we intentionally go a different way, we are walking blind. The world is dark. Every fork in the road you come to without Christ, you have, let's just say it's left and right. You have left and right, and that's all you get. And you have the full burden of determining is which way is the best way to go? Is this an important place in my life? Is this a seminal moment in my career, in my family? I wonder which way is the best way to go. Without Christ, you're making a best guess. But when you walk in the light, with the light of the world, you see a little further, but also you have the benefit of the one who sees the end. That says, take a left. Or reassures you, it doesn't matter which way you go here. I got you. The world is dark and we are wandering if we are not looking toward Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, starting verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only for the people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded their minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message 
about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Paul is talking about unbelievers, people that don't know Christ as the light. He said they don't see it. They're walking around with a veil over their face. Part of our job as believers is to point people to Jesus, not to, not to rock bottom them to Jesus, not to elbow smash them to Jesus, but to point them to Jesus, be a sign and point ter- towards Christ. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, the way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. Now, guys, I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I'm I'm not here to tell you that I've got it all together. Because that that verse right there describes me to a T when I did not pursue the Lord. I believed in Jesus one day when I was real young. And the Lord has reaffirmed me every time I've asked him, yes, yes. I entered your life then. You are saved. That is that, that is that time. But after that, I was like, going to do what I'm going to do. And I wandered and stumbled and made messes and did the best I knew how to do, which was junk. And there was grace. There was always grace. The Lord spared me a lot of grief because he loves me. But I find this verse to be very true of my own life. I had no idea what I was stumbling over because I was walking around in total darkness because I had gotten, I saw the light of Christ. I said, yeah, that sounds good. I don't want to go to hell. That sounds like a terrible place. Let's do the Jesus thing. And then it was like, oh, yay. And then it's like, okay, put him in the Jesus file folder. All right, close that. Now I'm going to go over here and do life. And what this leads me to, Two is what Jesus says. He says, I'm the light of the world. If, if you follow me, if you follow me, it's an action statement. If you, a person with free will, choose to come with me where I am going, you won't have to walk in the darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. Following Jesus is the only way out of darkness. Not entering into the kingdom and saying, yay, I have my ticket, I am saved. What do I do now? I'm just going to go do my own thing. But at every moment along the road, focusing our eye on Christ and moving when he moves. Matthew chapter 19, you are likely familiar with this story, but I'm going to read it. Verses 16 through 26, it's the rich young ruler. Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one, one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all those commandments, the young man replied. 
what else must I do? Jesus told him, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions and give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciple, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples were astounded. Then who in this world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intentionally, excuse me, intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Now, you may be familiar with this story, but does this describe how we approach Jesus sometimes? What must I do, Lord? I have done so many things. Well, how about you surrender your whole life? Everything. All of it. Mm, That wasn't in the tract I picked up. I'm just here for the ticket to heaven. That's all I want. And Jesus said, well, if you want to live, he even says it. He said, if you want to live, does he say a perfect life? If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Now, clearly, he is not giving you some doctrinal statement about how to be perfect. But what he's telling this guy who's done some good things, who has a lot of pride in his good deeds. Do you want to take it to the next level? Sell out. Totally. Come follow me. I ain't got nothing. I ain't got a place to sleep. Let's go do it. Oh, bro, I like my pool, though. Can we come back to that? Following Jesus is the way out of darkness. And that's really hard when you got it all together, or you think you do. Like I said, I'm not here to stab you. I'm not trying to shame you. We've all accomplished a lot. But if our faith is in our accomplishments, or our titles, or the things of this life that are meaningless, the result is all darkness. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me, and you will have the light that leads to life. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5-7. through 7. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're living in the light, you're not living in darkness. You don't get to have it both ways. If we are one with Christ, his light has to outshine everything else. He says, don't put your light under a basket. If you think about the physics of light and dark, darkness 
is simply the absence of light. So the closer we are to Jesus, the more we take intentional steps toward him, the more light is present over our lives. The more light is shed into our, or the more, the shed more light into our heart, into the corners of our heart. The closer we are to Jesus, the more exposed we are. The world is dark. If we choose any way but Jesus, we are, we are lost in the darkness. Following him is the only way out. But we see what the world's reaction is in the hearts of the Pharisees. We can relate. I can relate to the Pharisees. Especially when Jesus makes claims that violate my comfort zone or call me out of it, or call me out in my sin. Who are you to make such claims? Who are you? I don't know about all that, Jesus. We are often blind to the witness and to our own need. We have Adam's response in the garden where we know what we're doing is not right. And so we go and we hide in the darkness. We flee from the light into the darkness. We communicate from up under our basket. Hey, Jesus, I'm so glad you love me. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm just going to stay up under here. Could you just talk about that forgiveness stuff, though, and not talk about anything else? I don't need any conviction. I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm just preaching to myself. We want to hold pieces of ourselves back. Pride and shame keep us in the darkness. And I'm not here to tell you that it's oftentimes like intentional and malicious. Malicious. In, I think it's just sin nature. When in the in, in the middle of me being addicted to pornography, uh, anytime, I was, I was cruising just fine. I could go to church. We could do the praise and worship. We could do all the things. But if someone said that word, maybe I was in a teaching or was listening to a, to like, I remember vividly we had a small group that we met at, and then the guy that we were listening to brought it up. And I cringed on the inside, and I wanted to go, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get away. If you'd asked me in that moment, did I want to intentionally run away from the Lord? Well, no. But that was very uncomfortable, and I knew that that was a place that was not dealt with, and I didn't see a way out, and I didn't want to talk about it, and I didn't want to be there. So I don't, I don't want you to hear me bashing you on the head if you find yourself being triggered by some of this stuff. Christ is the light, and he wants to free us, but if we don't know that the light frees us, or we think the darkness we have is light, we're not going to see the benefit which is why you need to be in community. Which is why the Lord brings us into community. Which is why he gives us the Holy Spirit so that he can prompt us along the way. Hey, this path leads to darkness. Or you got a good, you got a close person that comes to you and go, Hey, that, I see this. Let's talk about it. No shame. No guilt. Let's bring this in the light. Let's, let's open it up. Because sin loses its power once it's in the light. My addictions, 
my addiction to pornography no longer binds me. That started with slowly sharing it, first with my wife and then with close friends. And now I'm able, it's a tool the Lord uses. And if that's something that you struggle with in here, I want to I tell you there's freedom in the light. There's freedom in the light. Jesus even reminded the Pharisees that he was not here to, to judge them. His purpose was to save. There is a judgment in the future at an undetermined time. But in the moment now, Christ is here to say, come to me, be saved, be reconciled, be forgiven. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all the glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled us, or excuse me, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Jesus did not come to judge us. He came to purchase our freedom and forgive our sin. And he calls us to that light. He stands up in our places of darkness and says, Follow me. I have light that leads to life. He doesn't do it to shame or condemn us. The enemy does that so that we will further deepen deepen ourselves in whatever we're trapped in. Jesus says, I love you. I'm here to redeem you. Come toward me. Come toward me. The light exposes our darkness, and we, as we get nearer, the fullness of life is in the fullness of his light. There can, there can be no hidden part of us the closer we get to Jesus. We have to surrender everything. So I want to paint you that two, those two pieces of relationship with Jesus. The saving one. They go together, but often we condense it to a single point, a single event. The moment of salvation. The moment of you kneeling at the cross and saying, I accept what you've done, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And then the process of sanctification. Lots of times, and it's been my experience, the church has been bad at leaving people at the cross and being like, go figure that out. Good job. Read your Bible. Come to church. Check all the boxes. We'll see you in heaven. And this process of sanctification, this process of moving towards the light, this process of surrendering all my stuff to Jesus needs the body. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus is calling you out of the darkness and into the light. Even in our salvation, he calls to the dark parts of our life and says, bring them, bring them to me, come toward me. And I want to encourage you, if this, is, if this triggers shame, guilt, cringe, all the anger, whatever it is, that it's just the enemy just trying so desperately 
to keep you where you are. He, wants, he does not want you to move toward Jesus because he knows once you realize you're totally free, you're not going back. Jesus offers this freedom. Mariah, would you come and play keys for me? I want to invite you. We're going to, we're going to this is spontaneous and unplanned. I want to, if this is something that is, has stirred you, has impacted you, I want to invite you to come up here and get, and get some prayer. We want to be part of this moment in your life where you, you are intentional to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not just going to stand back and watch. That if darkness has gripped a part of your life, or continues to grip a part of your life that you would feel the confidence that Jesus doesn't want to judge you for it. He just wants to free you from it. Mm, Thank you, Lord. There's nothing magical about these kinds of moments, but what it does say, it's, it's you taking an intentional step out of darkness towards the light to engage with people that love you and care for you and want to see you continue on that path out of darkness and towards the light that leads to life. So I'm going to pray real quick. And if you feel this is you and you need to come up here and just receive some prayer or otherwise just acknowledge, hey, I'm going to move toward the light. We will receive you. And we want to celebrate that with you. So I'll be here. Lindsay will be up here. Jeremy, if if it's rowdy, you can come up here too. (laughs) But I'm going to pray. And then at the end of that, if or during, if that's you, come on up here. We want to pray for you. Father, we don't have it all figured out. I confess that I don't have it all figured out, even though I purport to, to have it figured out a lot of the time. Where there is darkness, Father, point it out. Show us, the, to show us the path to light. Let us look up from our darkness to see your light and move toward it. Give us the courage to move when it's uncomfortable, embarrassing, or shameful. Give us the humility when our pride stands in the way. I bless your name. Amen. maybe I think probably for everybody just today when you were talking about all the different areas of our life I thought about how easily it is for me to get around my bedroom in the dark 
because I know where everything is, right? Um, but last night, um, a pair of uh, Jeremy's shorts that had a belt on it had fallen into the floor, and it just about took my whole life from me. Um, in the middle of the night, coming back from the bathroom when I got my foot stuck in it, um, and I, th- I just thought about, you know, how often when we are going through a routine of life, we can just get around, kind of find our way through. Um, and just, it's the fullness, when you were talking about the fullness of life found in the fullness of light. And maybe that there are some areas of our life that we are not walking in the fullness of light. Doesn't mean that there's an absence of Jesus in every aspect and every area of our life. But there are some areas that maybe we have just gotten comfortable walking around in because we know the pattern. We know where everything is. Our traumas, our situations, relationships even. We've gotten used to just kind of stumbling around and walking through and we know where everything is. And so what really the Lord impressed on my heart, and I made several notes about during this, is that it's about all areas and it's about the fullness of light you know when you've been, had your sunglasses on and you realize that you didn't need them on anymore and you you take them off and it's bright outside and and you can see that listen there are Jesus wants to bring the light to the fullness of every single area of your life today and James has been vulnerable for a long time openly and honestly talking about areas of his life where darkness was and let me tell you something he was walking around in light in uh, in other areas of his life at the same time there was a whole area that was in, in darkness I think we can all recognize that and realize that today that there are probably some corners and some areas of our lives that have some darkness in it that we really need the fullness of light today so may not be for everybody individually to come up and that may not be on your heart today but can we just take a minute I just want to ask you to close your eyes and I want to pray because I feel like James has been vulnerable today in sharing this and really it's it seems like that I am the light would be a happy I don't know how it always happens but James always gets like the messages on like grief and sin and stuff like that I mean I'm not complaining I get the ones like on the Holy Spirit so it's all good but today, I just want you to take a minute and close your eyes. And I really want you to just ask myself, where have I been stumbling in some darkness? What corners have I been content to not let the light hit? I'm telling you, if you come to my house, a lot of time the lights aren't on and it's because when it's darker in the house, you can't see the dust and the dog hair. So sometimes I just leave the lights off in the living room. It's, it's, it just helps me not see it. You get what I'm saying? Today, Lord Jesus, I come before you, Lord. And first of all, Lord, I repent myself. Father, I repent of all of those corners and areas that of my life that I have been content to leave in darkness and absence of the, what you're scared of what your light may reveal if it shined in that area. Lord, those areas that we've been afraid to let your fullness come into for what you might require of us to surrender to you that we're not ready for. 
So Lord, today I come before you and I ask on behalf of myself, on behalf of all of us, I just, I encourage you just right now to just take a minute and begin to ask God, show me the rooms where the light hasn't been on today. I don't want to settle for mood lighting and just enough light to get around. God, I want the fullness of your light in every corner of my life so that I may experience the fullness of the life you have for me. Come in, Lord, and be the light of our world today. Feel the in Lord. Jesus' name. Feel the Lord saying, The, dark, the darkness for whoever, the darkness is not too great. The darkness is not too great to overcome. You are not too far gone. Thank you, Lord.